0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Holistic Health Chat. So today's episode will be a little bit different. It's just me. I'm not interviewing anyone and I am going to be doing a little bit of a hormone series over the next month or so. So today's topic is why aren't women with PCOS told that they can reverse their insulin resistance? So I posted uh, about this on Instagram recently and it was probably my most top-performing post ever in the history of my business. So this is obviously a topic that struck a nerve with a lot of you. So I want to expand on it and talk about it further. Um, Now, if you don't have PCOS or you've never been diagnosed with it, or you don't think this applies to you, I still obviously encourage you to listen because PCOS is incredibly common. No doubt there is a lady in your life that has PCOS and something you hear in here might be helpful for her. So if you do have a friend with PCOS, I would also love if you could share this episode with her. It will no doubt be of value. So the title, as I said, was post uh, titled, why aren't women with PCOS told that they can reverse their insulin resistance? So this is one of the biggest issues that I see in clinic which we'll get into but just to start out with I just want to give a bit of a definition around um, PCOS. So PCOS um, is an abbreviation or an acronym rather for polycystic ovarian syndrome and it is caused by a combination of genetic and environmental factors. So there is a genetic component But what we know from the science around genetics is this really cliche saying explains it really well. It says genetics loads the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger and it's cliche, but it's really true. And so what that means is, yes, we can have a genetic predisposition to PCOS. But it's really the environment in which we live, aka the container of our life, that will cause the expression of those PCOS genetics or genes. So hopefully that makes sense. Now, in the case of insulin-resistant PCOS, and I am specifying insulin-resistant PCOS because there is more than one cause of PCOS, but insulin resistance is the most common. So insulin resistance in this particular case is that really key environmental factor, which is actually driving the genetic expression of the PCOS symptoms. So you can't technically reverse PCOS. Like, yes, once you have that diagnosis, you technically have PCOS forever. However, you can reverse insulin resistance and you can actually reverse all of the underlying causes of PCOS, even outside of insulin resistance. So therefore, you can actually reverse your symptoms of PCOS as well. So do you still have it? Well, I'll really leave it up to you to connect the dots there. But what we do know is true is that, for example, if you are able to reverse your symptoms of PCOS through addressing those environmental factors, which we'll get into, then you know, happy days. But if, say, into the future, you recreate that environment, which basically means those new habits that you've created to support your health have slipped and you've reverted back to your old ways, then yes, you can actually end up in a state where you're re-expressing those symptoms. So really, that's what we mean when we say you can't reverse it. You can be symptom-free, but you can certainly end up in a position where you're re-expressing those symptoms. So the diagnostic criteria for PCOS, which is called the Rotterdam criteria, um, it's also important to mention here that as a nutritionist, it's never my place to diagnose something like PCOS. That's really out of my scope of practice. Only a doctor or a general practitioner or GP would be able to do that for you. But the Rotterdam criteria that is most commonly used to diagnose PCOS is one, high androgens. This means high testosterone testosterone or high DHEAS. And this will be measurable either on a blood test or you may have symptoms of those high androgens. So for example, acne or hair growth across the face, you know, on your chin or even on the chest, um, lower stomach, those sorts of places. So they're symptoms of high androgens, but we can also measure those on a blood test. The second criteria is either irregular periods or anovulatory cycles, which just means that you uh, are having some cycles, maybe where you are ovulating and some where you're not. And that would, of course, generally cause irregular periods anyway. And then the third criteria is polycystic ovaries, which we would pick up on an ultrasound. So, in order to meet that diagnostic criteria for PCOS, you need to meet two out of three. In another episode, so the next episode after this, we're actually going to go through what other things. Could mean that you have these symptoms because a lot of the newer research is really sort of saying that this criteria needs to change because there's a lot of lot of other conditions outside of PCOS or a lot of other imbalances in which you could, for example, have high androgens or have irregular periods and polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. So yeah, it becomes, I guess, a little problematic if we are looking at that criteria and saying the only possible reason is PCOS, which is in fact incorrect. There are other reasons why you could be expressing some of those criteria. So it's also important to identify those, which we'll go through next episode. The other thing, also around the polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound, which we'll go into next episode further, is that these really shouldn't be included in the criteria at all. Anyone, any woman can have polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. It's really not a characteristic of PCOS. It just means really immature follicles, which are really possible for anyone, especially if you have irregular periods. And you can obviously have irregular periods and not have PCOS or PCOS. So yeah, that criteria is a sort of Shady at best and really problematic because often women are being diagnosed with PCOS off the back of an ultrasound alone, which is also incorrect. That's not uh, what we should be doing because it's just leaving a lot of holes there. So, the other thing that I just want to mention here is that in this episode, I'm specifically talking about insulin resistance, which is the underlying mechanism or cause of PCOS in around 80% of cases. But there are also other reasons why or other underlying causes, and they include adrenal PCOS, inflammatory PCOS, and post-pill PCOS. But I just want to be really clear that in this episode, we're really talking about insulin resistance. So to start with, I thought I would just explain what insulin resistance is is. So if you are insulin resistant, we'll be able to pick that up on a blood test. So we would want to look at your fasting insulin and that should be between three to five. If it's say, you know, up around 10 or even higher, I've seen insulin up into the twenties, then you are definitely insulin resistant. And if you do have PCOS, then that's a really good indication that that is, you know, that root cause for you. So I'm seeing a lot of issues in clinic and that's really why I created that post on Instagram around women coming to see me who have PCOS and they're wanting some guidance around it. And when I talk to them, I say, you know, well, when were you diagnosed? And often it's a couple of years prior. And my next question is, Were you provided any advice or information around the dietary strategies or what could possibly be causing your PCOS? Because I'm really trying to fish for, well, was insulin tested? Do we know if it's that? Because that's the first thing we want to rule out because it's the most common. So in 80% of the time, it's going to be insulin. It's the easiest thing for us to look at first. And The huge issue that I'm seeing is that more often than not, and I know this sometimes can be Chinese whispers because if it's a few years earlier, maybe they don't remember and, and, you know, that there's um, sort of other anomalies there that are perhaps not accounted for. But really what I'm seeing is that the consensus is mostly no conversation is had. It's basically you have PCOS and Here is metformin, which is a drug prescribed for people with diabetes to help control their blood sugar. So there are so many issues with this. But number one is that if you do have insulin resistance, metformin really isn't going to help long term with that. It's certainly not going to really help with your PCOS, the best option is for us to address the insulin resistance if that's really that driving cause. And the most efficient way to do this is through changing your diet. I've literally seen people reverse their insulin resistance in a matter of 12 to 14 weeks. It can happen really, really fast with the right strategy. So number one is that there's no often no explanation, I suppose, of the physiology behind insulin and PCOS and why metformin is perhaps not the best option. The second issue with this is that, yes, insulin resistance is that root cause in majority of cases, but it's not the only ones. There's obviously adrenal, inflammatory and PCOS. And so if you don't have insulin resistance, then metformin's not going to do anything for you. And you're also going to be taking a drug that you may Experience side effects from and a whole host of other things. So it's really just not the right approach for many women that are prescribed that. And yeah, we should be getting that confirmation of insulin on a blood test without just assuming that that's actually what's causing it. Because as the saying goes, assuming things makes an ass out of you and me. And I guess the most significant consequences of this approach of just saying, right, well, you meet the criteria. And you know, you've perhaps got a bit of hair growth and you've got irregular periods. Awesome. That means you've got PCOS, like technically with that diagnostic criteria, which we talked about. And we're not going to bother testing your insulin. Let's just put you on metformin. So, issues with that are you're potentially still going to have fertility challenges if that's one of your goals. And something I see a lot of, and this might be triggering for some, I'm not sure, but that there's possibly quite unnecessary fertility interventions happening because if we're not addressing that root cause, obviously that underlying issue is still there. And so when that woman then goes to try and fall pregnant, it's going to be difficult. And clinically what I see is more often than not, if that lady is just working with her GP, she's just referred straight to IVF. And sometimes I look at sort of the, the case notes and things, and I just wonder, gosh, like maybe if we'd fixed that underlying cause a lot earlier, we wouldn't have had to get here. The next thing is the side effects of metformin. So there are side effects with any medication and metformin is no exception. So for something like insulin resistance, I just see it as like such a simple thing for us to address. Like, yes, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to make changes, but it's simple. It's not, it's really not rocket science. There's nothing fancy about it. It's really easy and simple to do with your diet alone. And taking Metformin does have side effects, and it's really still going to leave you open to potentially developing things like type 2 diabetes later in life if that insulin resistance is not corrected. And then, of course, the other major issue is that if it's not insulin resistance causing your PCOS, then perhaps metformin is altogether being prescribed incorrectly, which is definitely a big issue. So if you do have PCOS or you suspect that you do, if you do have it and your insulin hasn't been tested, then I would recommend going to your GP and and asking to have that tested. So you can request fasting insulin. The other marker that you can request is something called HbA1c, and I'm going to pop these in the show notes so you don't need to write them down. But HbA1c is a marker of your glycated hemoglobin. So it is a good reference point for the average of your blood sugar control over the last three months because our red blood cells have a lifespan of approximately three months. So we do get that approximation of blood sugar control longer than just sort of that short-term period. The thing is though, that what I see a lot of, and I've seen many, many times is a HbA1c that does look quite good. And then an insulin that is very high indicating insulin resistant, like no questions asked. So I would If that's the only thing that's been tested, I would again be pushing to have fasting insulin tested. It's not a fancy test. It's something you should be able to request through your GP quite easily. The other tests that you can look at as well, high sensitive C-reactive proteins, that's a marker of non-specific inflammation, homocysteine and your cholesterol and blood lipids. So this gives a nice little overall indication of whether there's any inflammation present in the body. And this could also potentially be contributing to those symptoms that you're experiencing. And then some other hormones that can be excellent to get tested alongside those would be your luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, prolactin, sex hormone, binding globulin, DHEAS and testosterone. So you get your total and free testosterone. And then nutrient wise, we really want to look at your vitamin D levels, your zinc and your iron studies. So they would be my top tests that I would be asking my GP for. And those will be in the show notes. So that's it for episode one in the hormone series. Next one, we will be looking at is it really PCOS? What else could be causing those symptoms? So if you resonate with some of those symptoms, but You don't have a diagnosis, or you're just not convinced that that's what it is, then you will love next episode. Before you go, early in 2022, so early next year, I'm going to be reopening doors to my signature program, the Hormone Repair Protocol, where I will teach you exactly what you need to know to unpack your hormonal imbalances. And I'll also give you the guidance and strategy that you need to heal your hormones so that ultimately you can live pain and symptom-free. In the show notes, you'll find a link to join the wait list. I do keep the numbers capped because It's really important to me as a practitioner to still be able to offer a certain degree of personalization, even though it's not working with me one-on-one. I really see that as the keys to you getting the best results and That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm here for. If you have any questions about today's episode, feel free to come and find me on Instagram and send me a DM. You can also find links to that in the show notes. But if you're interested in joining the Hormone Repair Protocol next year, jump on the wait list and you will be first to hear about it thank you for listening to this episode of holistic health chats if you enjoyed this episode i would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in itunes as this allows me to help more women just like you holistic health chats is not intended to replace medical advice so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health if you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat please head to celendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.